I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k flats. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. 101. Quiet, please, ladies and gentlemen. You ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Live now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back. To the Lars Larson Show, and welcome to Wednesday on the Radio Northwest Network. I've got to start with DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, although it might just as well stand for destroy everything in sight. And I'm going to give you two specific examples. Uh, these two are out of Seattle. Uh, no, actually, one's out of Seattle and one's out of Portland. And, and they are, I think, excellent examples of where diversity seems to destroy everything it touches because this artificial idea that somehow you should not hire people based on their skills and abilities but hire them because their personal characteristics their skin color what's between their legs not be what's between their ears is what makes all the difference and that that's the way that you should hire them if you believe in that kind of thing i would invite you to take a close look at katenji brown jackson affirmative action hire to the u.s supreme court and corinne jean pierre affirmative action hire as press secretary at the white house and then ask yourself were those two hired because of personal characteristics for their jobs? Are they competent to their jobs? And would you want them, say, flying the airplane that you're flying on? And the reason I bring up airplanes is this, because Boeing has had some huge problems. Boeing has parts that are flying out of the side of airplanes, like a door that didn't have the bolts put in at the factory, apparently the one in Renton, Washington. And you say, well, how does that happen? I would invite you to take a look at Boeing's website. Ordinarily, I'd be a fan of Boeing. I'm a fan of Alaska Airlines. But when that door plug blew out at 16,000 feet in the air and put a lot of lives in jeopardy, thankfully nobody got hurt and nobody got killed. But when that happened, and you said, how in the world do you send a jet out into commercial service with bolts missing from it? We finally got that confirmed to this week. Although, I'd already heard from people inside the Boeing factory. I don't know how much they listen to the Lars Larson show in the factory at Renton. But I was hearing from them saying, this is just plain old mess-ups. Because 
Nobody's minding the store because things like door gaskets get replaced and people want to do it quickly. So they say, I don't mess with all that paperwork, you know, confirming that all the bolts have been put in place and all that. Do you know the NTSB, that's the federal agency that investigates airplane mishaps and transportation mishaps, they've actually got pictures of the door in the side of the door plug in the side of that plane missing the bolts, except that nobody at the factory took note of the fact that it was missing some key components before they sent it out the door. Just thank God that that happened not over the ocean, but that it happened over land. But let me tell you what's happening now, because the joke on all of us gets even worse. Uh, but I'm going to tell you that in just a moment. First, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. If you want to join what we call the best conversation in talk journalism, it's here every day at 866-HEY-LARS. And if you're a naysayer, that is, you disagree with my point of view, yesterday, I think we set an all-time record for the number of naysayers, and God bless them, they called in in droves yesterday. Entirely different subject matter, but this one's just about as good. If you want to call in as a naysayer, we'll put you at the head of the line at 866-439-5277. You can also send emails. I get plenty of naysaying that way as well. Talk at LarsLarson.com. And our poll on X is actually inspired by one of the few good pieces of legislation that's being considered, and that is House Bill 1800. This one's in Olympia, although they could easily pass the same kind of thing in Oregon. It frames this question. Should judges have the option to sentence graffiti vandals to clean up their own messes? And if you said, well, don't they already have that option? Apparently not in Washington State. House Bill 1800 is described this way. In addition to fines and penalties, a judge would be able to order offenders to perform at least 24 hours of community service, including cleaning up their own vandalism. And the bill's sponsor is Andrew Barkas. Of course, he's a Republican, which probably means the Democrats will find every excuse in the book to say, we don't want to vote for actually punishing the people for this kind of vandalism. We want them to get away with it. But uh, let's let's keep our powder dry for right now. See if the Democrats could actually vote for something that's common sense. I would vote yes. Should judges have the option to sentence graffiti vandals to clean up their own messes? I'd answer that one, yes. The poll on X is brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. So you've got the Boeing company, which brags on its website that it is in favor of global equity. I mean, they want to go DEI all the way. And if Boeing, somebody from Boeing wants to come on the show and say, no, no, we hire people based on skills and abilities, not based on sexuality, not based on skin color, ethnicity, and all that garbage. i got to tell you something. If they want to say that, I'll be glad to put them on the show. So you've got a company that is addressing global equity and then you've got a federal agency in the FAA and the NTSB that say they are also going with equity, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And all of this with a record number of incidents, near misses in 2023, airplanes with parts that aren't there or have fallen out, all of that. And then the FAA chief goes up to Congress and says, hey, 
We're going to go out and we're going to take a close look at Boeing. Talk about the blind leading the blind. So you're going to have one equity-driven federal agency that's going to be overseeing an equity-driven private company. What could possibly go wrong? And then the second example, an Oregon catalyst, the Taxpayers Association of Oregon points this out. Last fall, we told you that a fairly decent institution, the Portland Art Museum, I don't have much bad to say about him, except last fall, they did one of the craziest things you've ever heard of. They had 175 volunteers. These are people who said, I'll come down, I'll give tours at the museum, I know my stuff, and they would do it for free. And then the Portland Art Museum announced, we're firing all of our volunteer docents. And you say, we're going to fire these people. Who's going to do the job? The Art Museum didn't like the fact that, as you might have guessed, the vast majority of all these 175 volunteers who would give tours around the museum were older white people. And the museum said, we don't want that. We don't want the older part. We don't want the white part. So we'll hire people who actually... You guessed it, match the DEI desires of the Portland Art Museum. Well, now they're falling on hard times, so guess what the legislature is doing? Giving them $250,000 because the art museum is going to do things like, to give you a recent example, the showing of the film Psycho Beach Party from 2000. That's right. This is an institution that's screwed up from top to bottom. They fire their volunteers. They hire people based on not their skills and abilities, but based on whether or not it matches a DEI concern. That's the kind of craziness we're in. Except in the case of the art museum, it doesn't actually put your life in danger. When it comes to the FAA and Boeing, not quite the same example. It's a Wednesday. Your calls are welcome at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. The Northwest Nonsense is coming up next. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. At least someone has a plan for illegal aliens. Back in the White House, I will terminate every open borders policy of the Biden administration and begin the largest deportation operation in American history. This is the Lars Larson Show. 
That makes a lot of sense. A lot of nonsense. Right. You're bloody well right. You know he got a right to say. This is the Northwest Nonsense. How much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense? That great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold, hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the daily dead, fish wrapper, or mainstream media bias. Hey, check this out. Washington lawmakers want to ban the safe tires that your family now rides on when you're navigating the slippery roads of the Pacific Northwest. House Bill 2262 would forbid the sale of tires, the ones that best handle our notoriously wet and sometimes snowy highways, depending on the time of year. Climate change nuts claim that these grippy tires, you know, the ones that keep you on the straight and narrow, have too much rolling resistance, and they wear out too fast because they're made of soft rubber. And that is because their deep tread and softer rubber make them safer for your family to drive around on. Now, I think that should be your choice. Democrats think it should be their choice, and it should be the choice of your state lawmakers, in this case, in Olympia. Instead, liberal progressives in Olympia propose to ban the sale of these evil tires the same way they want to ban leaf blowers, natural gas, and your kitchen stove. The proposed ban covers all tires for all cars and trucks up to 10,000 pounds. And by the way, if the bill passes, your tires become less safe and they become more expensive at the same time. What's not to love? You know what I propose? Les Schwab should build mega tire stores in places like Post Falls, Idaho, just across the border from Spokane, to handle all the new business they're going to get from green tire mandate in the evergreen state. Let Jay Inslee run slicks on his Tesla the next time he wants to drive Snoqualmie Pass. That might give him a brand new perspective, one from the ditch. Now, yesterday, we talked about Seattle's Grubhub killing rules. You know, the ones that raise the price of delivered food so much that the drivers, that the do-gooders said, we're going to help these drivers. They're going to make more money. Guess what? They're making a lot less money. And then I got this email from Robert who wrote to me because he heard me talking about it. He said, Lars, I thought I'd share this with you. I went to order a soup and sandwich from Quiznos on Uber today while I was making a delivery in Renton. The sandwich, 16 bucks. Buy one, get one free. $5 for soup. I went to check out and the total was $55.19. Needless to say, I had to pass, but I put the screenshots on the email. Robert, thanks. That's a great example. You push the price up high enough in line with paying the drivers more, and the drivers end up getting fewer orders. And at the end of the day, I gave you the example yesterday, uh, I think it was King 5 News, that pointed out one driver who was used to making about $900 every week had dropped down to less than $450 a week. That's what the do-gooders of Seattle did. And our question of the day, is the Audubon Society by any other name just as good? Portland's former Audubon group is now calling itself the Bird Alliance of Oregon. And why? Because they say that John James Audubon, the guy who actually really changed things for Mother Nature, by coming out with the 1827 book called The Birds of America, which included 435 life-size watercolors of birds, copies of that book now sell for as much as $7 bucks. But they don't like Audubon. Because in 1827, he was somebody who actually had slaves, at the time legal in America. And he criticized the abolitionist movement. I've also heard some of the nature lovers who don't like the fact that occasionally 
Audubon would also hunt birds, and they didn't like that. So now they're going to dump his name altogether. I don't know. How much more history in America are they going to erase? Because history from 200 years ago does not meet today's standards. I mean, by that standard, you could erase a lot of history. I mean, there are things from 50 years ago that don't meet today's standards. Are we going to erase all of that as well? And now today's Daily Grill. Insane. Are you completely insane? Ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb. You're even dumber than I thought. Who deserves today's Lars Grill of the Day? Maybe they're just really, really stupid. Find out right now. I want to give today's Daily Grill to the government of Jay Inslee for handing over $340 million in federal taxpayer money, that's all of us, to illegal aliens. They were sending out checks for $1,000 each, and the money came from the so-called Coronavirus State and Local Fiscal Recovery Fund, part of the American Rescue Plan Act. Not the Illegal Alien Rescue Plan Act, the American Rescue Plan Act. They actually set up a program to send out checks for $1,000, but only to illegal aliens in the state of Washington. Today's best email so far, but you can always send more. Robin writes in Lars. I'm writing to express my concern regarding Seattle's proposal to add a $5 fee for food delivery. As a self-employed delivery person, I value the flexibility and autonomy my job provides. It's a setup that allows individuals to make as much or as little as they wish based on their willingness and capacity to work. You might recall a situation in Oregon with a company that made squeezable flashlights and they offered assembly work as a side job. When the state reclassified these workers as employees, it resulted resulted in the company simply going out of business and closing down. This scenario illustrates the delicate balance within the gig economy, highlighting the potential consequences of these well-intended regulations. In my experience with DoorDash, I appreciate the option to choose when and where I work, tailoring my schedule to fit my needs. However, I'm concerned that being classified as an employee is going to strip away this flexibility. As Ronald Reagan famously said, the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. That sentiment resonates with me, and I fear that intervention might do more harm than good. Best regards, Robin. Send those emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And let me start on this Wednesday with Gordon. Hey, Gordon, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Well, I uh, used to work uh, for 36 years at Boeing. I mean, I've been wow. retired uh, Oh, since uh, 2015, uh-huh. and I worked up in that same area where that door <laughs> blew off. So, so I, I know exactly what uh, what's going on, and I've seen the change of at Boeing. And the biggest change that uh, uh, pretty much all of us uh, had seen is in 1997 when McDonnell Douglas came in for that merger, and then uh, they used Boeing's money to buy him out because Boeing wanted the military part of McDonnell Douglas so bad they made a bad deal. So so what they did, Boeing did, is they gave McDonnell Douglas people 51% of the stock. And so within a year, you know, the Boeing CEO was gone. They brought in uh, Henry, uh, or Harry, excuse me, Harry Stonecipher, and he came out and said in an interview on TV that uh, his, uh, his primary number one um, uh, our responsibility is to the stockholders and us, me and a lot of us. Well, that's true. But it, but well, uh, because we're close, we're less than a minute to the break. If your responsibility is the stockholders and you make planes that are made so badly that parts fly off of them in the air, that doesn't sound like it's good for the stockholders, but it does sound like it might be the result of DEI hiring. 
Am I wrong? Well, well, um, uh, uh, I used to be in retail sales, and, and a lot of us uh, hit the fan when we heard that because, you know, your customer is always number one. That's the old Boeing way, you know, when the 747 was built. Customer is always number one, but they changed that, and that's why you see all these issues going on with, with the MAX crash, the uh, 787, the problems that they had from the very beginning, you know, even going on now, the 777 problems. Yeah, they're having all kinds of problems. Gordon, thanks for the insight. The Lars Larson Show. Message from Lars. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Who's next? This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. And we haven't talked to Alan Alley in a long time. And the reason I invited Alan back on, he's a former candidate for governor. Uh, he has worked for governors. He's worked in the tech business. He's been an entrepreneur. He's done a lot of things that have been very valuable, both in the private sector and then of course, sadly, working for some Democrats as well. But that shows that Alan is open-minded. And uh, Alan is now with the Oregon Taxpayer Foundation. And I want to talk to him about the, some of the crazy things they're thinking of doing with state investments that, if they do them, I think are going to cost the taxpayers a lot of money. Alan, welcome back. Hey, Lars. How are you? Not too bad. Are you on a speakerphone by any chance? Um, I'm on a headset. Okay. This don't don't worry. We'll, okay? we'll, we'll, we'll get through it. We're, but... Um, okay. I want to ask you about this because I see the state of Oregon says we're going to decarbonize the state's investment portfolio, which I think is fairly large, like $90 billion. And I know yeah. that to, to people who hear that, they say, oh, ah, gee, that sounds good. Except there's, isn't there a fairly simple reason that the state has a lot of that money invested in things like oil and uh, fossil fuels and maybe even cigarettes and maybe even, to, you know, guns and things like that? Because they provide a good return, a legal good return. Isn't that what they should be doing? Right. Yes. And in statute, they have to. There's a thing called your fiduciary responsibility. And that's your responsibility to the taxpayers of Oregon and the PERS beneficiaries to get the best return that you possibly can. And that means they invest in technology, energy, automotive, medical services, construction, real estate, private equity, a very, very broad, diverse portfolio. Um, and their returns over in history have been pretty good, about seven and three quarter percent per year compounded basically forever. I think the, the last time I was on, I pointed out that that's a, almost exactly the return that the Dow Jones Industrial Average has given you over that period of time. So rather than being creative with all these investments, you probably could have just invested in the Dow and got the same kind of returns. But that's what they're supposed to do, have a broad portfolio weighted for risk and return to give the best possible returns for the taxpayers and the beneficiaries. Okay, now let me ask you, Alan, is there any way, I'm not an investment guru either, uh, or maybe you are because you've worked in tech and tech gets itself involved in IPOs yeah. and all that, is there any way to decarbonize the portfolio without sacrificing some of the investment earnings? So I don't think so. And yesterday, uh, Tobias Reed, Treasurer Reed, rolled out his grand plan. And um, 
Lars, I listened to the whole thing. It's kind of unbelievable. So he hired McKinsey and Company, the consulting firm, to come in and calculate, if you can imagine this, the the total emissions generated by the current portfolio. So all the public equity, uh, the real estate assets, the private equity, um, even fixed income, like buying bonds, and they determined that the portfolio generates uh, 4 million metric tons a year in CO2 emissions. Now, how they did that, I have no idea. I'm sure McKinsey charged them a ton of money to do it. And well, isn't, now isn't they it, want... it, it, Let me interrupt, Alan. Isn't it kind of meaningless? Yeah. It'd be like if you said, Lars, yeah. uh, you, you want to buy some Cargill stock, which I think is a food company. And you say, well, what's yeah. the carbon effect of that? And I say, well, right. we're going to have to calculate all the diesel used by all the farmers, plus yeah. to, to both yeah. plant and harvest. Then you're going to have to transport the food. There's de- Then there's the electricity or natural gas used the food. Yeah. I mean, in other words, it's almost endless what you'd have to calculate in just to get the carbon right. output of one single stock in one single industry, yeah. isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, so the whole thing is ridiculous. This this calculation is ridiculous. But then the second thing is is that they want to readjust the portfolio to take that num- that mythical calculated number to zero. Now, Lars, they are in statute. They are required to generate the highest returns. So this meeting yesterday was a complete sort of kabuki theater presentation about why doing this is consistent with getting the highest returns. Now, my conclusion is if this was consistent with getting the highest returns, you just do it. You don't need to have, you just, you just make those decisions and you just do it. But this is a political agenda and they're risking our capital, the taxpayer money and the future of the retirement benefits to, for a political agenda. Now, Alan, one of the things I want you to reemphasize, because I I, I know you and I take it for granted, we know this, you've got hundreds of thousands of state employees, if not millions, who are going to collect on PERS pensions. And the system, and you can tell us what it is upside down, underwater, that it's in the red by tens of billions of dollars. Now, taxpayers already have to make that up, but that's assuming that the investments continue to make a good return. If their return drops by a billion, the taxpayers are going to have to make up that billion simply because right. somebody like Tobias Reed wanted to look good when it came to carbon things. That's the bottom line, yes. isn't it? Yes, it's upside down by about $22 billion right now. And you're absolutely right. Is the, if they don't, if this tanks the portfolio, the, the one holding the bag is the taxpayers. Because the retirees have a contract with the state that's now been held up that the state can't welch on that contract. They can't cut the benefits. So the retirees are, are going to be fine because the state has to stand behind it. But the state can't print money the way the federal government can to meet Social Security. The state actually has to have that money come from taxpayers. You actually have to have taxes to, to pay this. And that's, that's the massive risk. So, and Tobias is doing this. He's creating this legacy. He's going to be long. He's turned out after this year, 
And uh, it's oh, going to be less than the governor, of- doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And in the public testimony, every public employee union stood up and said, we think this is a great idea. Now, wow. I can't imagine why, because you're putting the the fiduciary responsibility, you're putting the solvency of your retirement at risk by doing this. And But they come up with this kabuki theater of the world's coming to an end. Uh, carbon is the evil empire. We have to decarbonize, and we have to do this, and this is going to reduce risk and, and give us a better return. And it just doesn't make any sense. It's completely See, politically motivated. My read on this is the unions come in and say, we know this is stupid. It's going to cost money. But if if they come up short, the taxpayers will have to fork over the money. And in the meantime, we do political favors for the likes of Tobias Reed and Tina Kotek. And then when we come in for contracts that that the uh, that our friends, our new friends, because we bought into their carbon nonsense, are going to say, gee, you stood by us, so we'll make sure that your union members hang on to their jobs and maybe even make more of them. In fact, I just saw a headline today that said they're proposing to increase PERS retirement payments. So maybe that's the other side of the quid pro quo. Back up Tobias Reed. You know, we'll we'll sign off on the insane. Go ahead and tank the investments that our retirees depend on, to, say the unions. And then the unions will say, and by the way, could you increase the retirement benefits for our, our uh, members uh, and just tell the taxpayers they're going to have to pay the difference? That is Alan Alley, former candidate for governor, high-tech entrepreneur, and I think a common-sense guy. Does anybody sound? Does anybody think this is a good idea? Decarbonize the portfolio, take a loss, perhaps in the billions, and then go to the taxpayers and say, "Sorry, we lost money. You're going to have to pay more." You're listening to the Lawrence Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. If you're, I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. And now, this musical message to anyone who wants to indoctrinate our school children. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. It is a pleasure to be with you. I'll get back to your phone calls in a moment. I want to mention this. Marie Glusenkamp Perez, member of Congress, Democrat, uh, she has announced that she's hosting a uh, uh, a visitor. 
And the visitor is Agriculture Deputy Secretary Torres Small, who's going to travel to Washington. He's going to be in southwest Washington because that's where Congresswoman Glusenkamp Perez District is. I got to tell you something. There are two issues I wish she would put in front of her, but as one of the most extreme liberals in the U.S. Congress, Marie Glusenkamp Perez is likely, I think it's almost impossible that she's going to bring these up. Number one, the abject failure of mandatory overtime that was imposed by state law a couple of years ago for Washington state farmers. I mean, it has failed for the farmers. It has failed for the workers. They both got hurt because they believed the state of Washington when it said, we're here to help out. We're from the government. We're going to make sure that you all get paid overtime. And what happened was uh, paychecks for farm workers went down. Farmers got hurt as well. Not a good thing. Second issue that she will not put in front of Deputy Secretary Torres Small, the Deputy Agriculture Secretary under Biden, the punishing toll of carbon taxes, again imposed by Jay Inslee and the government, that by law, they wrote in the law, you can't apply these carbon taxes on the diesel that's purchased by farmers. And yet it is being applied to them because the state of Washington says, Nah, it's too complicated to set up the bureaucracy for figuring out who has to pay the tax and who doesn't. So we'll just ignore what the law says and charge them. You can better believe that unless a reporter brings that up during the Glusenkamp Perez tour for Deputy Secretary Torres Small, she's not going to bring it up and say, here are a couple of examples of crazy liberal policies, carbon tax on fuel, bad for agriculture, uh, mandatory overtime for farm workers, bad for workers, bad for agriculture. You can bet she won't be bringing that up. Let's go to Tanya. Hey, Tanya, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Hey, thanks. Um, so I'll just be really honest. I did not hear your whole uh, conversation about um, the unions and the whole um, getting involved in the carbon footprint and but I what I do want to say that almost is irrelevant of what that conversation is is I have been a member of um, public employees union for 26 years yeah my so I am a, a human services worker okay uh -huh. yep. and I can tell you that the members themselves we get a lot of gruff from people that just just general people, hardworking people, taxpayers like us, about PERS. And the unfortunate thing about that is that there's people out there doing really incredible work that have been doing it, like I said, for almost 30 years like me, that, you know, have worked through COVID, have been exposed to certain elements and dangers that in some way we get punished for being in those jobs and being a part of this retirement program. But please know that this, and I think it's important to know this, the members, they don't make these decisions. And your the information that was on your show today is completely new to me. Well, so can I, can I tell union... you something? When you say the members don't make the decision, a union is yeah. a group of people, right? So when you call a bargaining unit, that's a group of people. Those people can all vote in their union leadership. They can vote their union leadership out. If and, and I've challenged union members before, said, and I do it to teachers, I do it to other people, and say, look, if you're saying you disagree with what your union does, what your union does, you hired them to be your representative. 
If you don't like the way they're representing you, tell them to change. You are the customer that's being represented, in theory, by the union. And to simply say the union is this thing, like a shark in the ocean, and I don't have any control over it, you hired that shark to be your representative. If you don't like that shark, put a bullet in him. You know, if you don't like the union and the way it's representing you, tell the union, change the way you represent me. Have you thought about that? Because that does make it your responsibility, doesn't it? So I don't disagree with that at all. I, I absolutely don't. I think that there's, I think that there's about, there's validity to what you're saying. What I do want to point out is this conversation that you're having about how the money's being invested. I can guarantee you that that, that is happening without the knowledge the agreement, the input, but mostly knowledge of the majority of members. I, I don't think that's you. true. Well, only if you choose to stay ignorant, because, Tanya, your oh. union, your union wants to back this up. They stood up. The people who represent you stood up and said, we want to decarbonize the portfolio. And what they're saying is get out of oil, get out of coal, get out of all those things, which they can't legally do right now. But the reason the union is backing it up, because they know if they back getting out of all those investments, even though it's going to cause the investments to drop in value, which means all of us taxpayers will have to pay more money to make sure your pension is paid, that will be the kind of favor that people like Democrat officeholders, the governor, the secretary of state, and all those people, Tobias Reed, will remember when it comes to contract time. I mean, this is a very incestuous business, Tanya. Think, think about this. Okay. All of those taxpayers, they are also members of this retirement. So we actually No, they're not. The average taxpayer oh, yes, is not a PERS member. Oh, that's not true. Oh, well, out of four, out of what? Four that. million people in the state, a few hundred thousand are members of PERS. The large with me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Customers. Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Quiet, please, ladies and gentlemen. You ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. This is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Lars. No. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back. 
back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a Wednesday, and I was really glad to see just moments ago the news come down that the United States Senate has completely sidelined that crazy border bill that allegedly Republicans came up with that actually made no sense. It actually legalized the illegal entry of 5,000 illegals every day in America. Now, of course, that got shot down. The only mystery now is how Republicans thought it was a good idea. But at the same time that the U.S. Congress is messing around and not getting the work of the people done, the legislature of both Oregon and Washington are also in session, which means no man or woman's life, liberty, or property is safe. And I thought we'd talk about that with Richard Emmons, who's publisher and editor at the Josephine County Eagle. Richard, welcome back to the show. Hey, Lars. Good afternoon. You wrote recently about Senate Bill 1503. Can you tell us where that is right now? Because it sounds like a, a gun-grabber kind of effort, except that it, it appears to be cloaked in extra funding for the Oregon Health Authority. How does that work? Yeah, it's one of these bills that is anti-gun, and it's indicative of how they get bills passed, where it's a bill that will have a task force to look at why are guns the cause of gun violence and suicides here in Oregon? And it funds a task force that has, you know, everybody's appointed by the governor, and then there are two legislators from each house, one from each party, which can't vote. And they're going to be looking at this problem that inside the bill, 1503, they say that gun violence has increased by 21% and suicide has increased by 4% since before the COVID-19 pandemic. So it's one of these bills where they, they start a task force. They're, they're mostly health people and people at nonprofits. There's nobody on the task force that's pro second amendment rights. And it's, and when you look at the numbers and, and I looked at the uh, OHA numbers, for 2023, and suicide, though it's terrible. I mean, any suicide is bad. And, you know, in 2023, we had 845 suicides in Oregon, and about a third of those were from death with dignity. So this is legalized suicide here in Oregon, where somebody, yep. for whatever reason, can take drugs uh, prescribed by a doctor and kill themselves. So those are suicides, but it's really suicides are actually lower now than they were before COVID-19 because in 2019 there were 908 <laughs> and now they're just 845. So in other words, suicides so are, actually, so they're basing the bill support for Senate Bill 1503 on a lie. And then the false premise that if only we had more studies and more laws, that we could stop people from committing suicide. That's right. That's right. And it's all done in the name of safety, you know, helping people not commit suicide. And, you know, it's, it doesn't look at any other forms of suicide, you know, other than guns. You know, it doesn't look at, you know, any other types of violence other than gun violence. And it, it's, it's, you know, it hits $400,000 so that they can go out and hire some outside companies to, you know, consultants and so forth to come up and prepare reports that they then provide to the state legislature so that they can then make some new bills, presumably. Well, it sounds like it turns the Oregon Health Authority into a lobbying agency. 
They're not so much saying study this as they are saying, here's the conclusion we want you to reach. Write some reports like this, then bring them back to us. And we can sit there very seriously and listen to people from something, you know, an agency most people would think based on the title uh, would get some some, you know, some attention. The Oregon Health Authority is telling us that if we want to stop suicides, we have to do this. So they're they're paying the OHA to come back and tell these lawmakers what they want to hear so they can then use that as a justification to pass a bill. To, to have more gun control. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, it's echoes of trust the science. You know, in this way, it's trust the consultants. And and it's really, I mean, again, every suicide is bad, It you know, but it, the idea that it's such a problem that needs to be studied by the OHA, I tell you, when I was looking at the OHA statistics, what really jumped out at me and what really ought to be studied or the deaths from natural causes. And that is by far the biggest category. You know, there were last year 37,778 deaths from natural causes, whereas back in 2019, it was only 34,000. So it went from 34,000 to 38,000. And in between, in 2021 and 2022, there were over 40,000 deaths from natural causes. So, you know, one natural cause, you know, what would change from 2019 to 2021? Well, that was the, the COVID-19 vaccinations. You know, yeah, what else would. changed? And, Maybe and, you would, and, and you would say, did, did the mRNA jab, which, by the way, I haven't taken. It was my choice not to take it. And I didn't want to take it. But I, do I believe that it's caused some uh, some unintended health consequences? Yes. Do I think it's killed some people? We've actually documented some of the people, or even early on, there was a young lady in uh, in Seattle. She'd actually grown up in Portland, but she didn't want to get the shot. She was healthy, and she got it because the school told her you can't be a parent volunteer if you don't get it. She got it, died. The medical examiner determined it, she was killed by the shot. And and uh, does that happen frequently? No. But do we know the total effect of the jab? I don't think we do. And I don't think the OHA wants to tell you about that either. Richard, uh, tell people where they can find what you write. Yeah, they can learn more about the Josephine County Eagle at jocoeagle.com. And jocoeagle.com, we publish six times a year, and I send out Eagle News updates via email. We have subscribers in multiple counties across Oregon. So just uh, welcome anybody that wants to get a different look at the news is to go to jocoeagle.com yeah something other than the big city daily dead fish wrapper richard thanks so much for the time let's go to tony hey tony you're the lawyer who actually won the victory of getting measure 114 the gun uh the anti-gun law the gun prohibition uh put on hold as unconstitutional didn't you yes sir lars i sure did uh along with my firm tyler smith and associates and now we're still waiting uh, on, on what the decision is going to be about where it goes from here, aren't we? Yeah, uh, the state has appealed it. Um, so we're sitting in the Court of Appeals right now um, waiting uh, for briefing. And you need to raise some money, right? Yeah, the, the state defendants, they litigated really hard in uh, trial court. So we're looking uh, to get some support from... Uh, Oregonians and fellow uh, fans of our Second Amendment and here are uh, Article 1, Section 27 rights. Where can they find uh, your fundraising effort? Because I know the state's being funded by the taxpayers. 
Yes, the state's being funded by the taxpayer. We are being uh, funded by Oregonians uh, voluntarily. Uh, they can check out my Facebook. I have the link there, but it is givesendgo.com uh, forward slash state court underscore stop measure 114. We're going to put the link up on my website and on our social media. It's Tony Aiello. Tony, thank you very much. Back in a moment. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. People always ask Lars if he wants to run for public office. Like president. Do you know how much power I'd have to give up to be president? This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. Pleasure to be with you. I want to tell you about this case involving a young lady working in healthcare who decided, I have to quit my job. And why? I mean, lots of people quit jobs, but she quit because she says that she was forced to go along with her employer's insistence that she help children decide to change their gender. I'll get into the details of that in just a moment. First, I want to go to some of your calls. If you want to join the best conversation in talk journalism, it's right here every day at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And let me start with Eileen. Eileen, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Oh, thanks. Thanks for you and Lucky Payson, your granddaughter who has you as a role model and your wife. You're very sweet. With and know, know what's what in life. Um, Thank you for that. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to be a resident of Washington and cannot move because I have legal guardianship of a special needs great-grandson that I love. Oh, good um, for you for taking care of that special needs grandson. Ellen, you go. <laughs> Tanya, wake up. But basically what I called today for was to say I heard that the Super Bowl is now going to have two national anthems on Sunday. One will be ours, uh, supposedly uh, sung by Reba, and the other will be for blacks. God damn it. I'm sorry. No, 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 please don't. We, We are one. We are one. And the blacks have accepted our national anthem until this chaotic uh, losers. Eileen, i got to tell you, I think the vast majority of black Americans still accept that the national anthem of the United States is the Star-Spangled Banners. 
And I, I, in fact, I've talked to a number of friends I have who are people of color who say, look, I don't need a black national anthem. I like America's national anthem. It's just one more effort by people to try to divide people in the United States and say, oh, there's one national anthem for this group and another one for that group. It's politics, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's sickening, absolutely. I'm an old fossil of 76, and I wish I had my life back when I was little to live through again. It's so much better than what it is now. Well, unfortunately, I think we've got a great country. I mean, I agree with Trump on this, that I think America is a great country. Is it being run badly by an awful lot of people at the national level and even at your local level? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can we get it back? Yeah, we can but you're going to have to push some people out of office at some point. Speaking of how it used to be and how it is now, let me give you this example. This is a very young lady. She's a therapist, and she says that she was forced to quit her job by the demands that were put on her by a system called MultiCare. It's one of the largest hospital systems, and she worked as a social worker. Her name is Tamara Pietsky. And one of these days, I hope I get a chance to talk to her. I don't know the young lady, but I know that I'm proud of what she's done because what she decided to do was what so many health professionals were not willing to do during the pandemic, and they haven't been willing to do it lately with this new issue involving so-called transgenderism or gender-affirming care. She says that MultiCare, the system she worked for, started pr pushing gender-affirming care. Now, why? Because the pediatric clinic, so the clinic for kids that she worked in, got a $100,000 donation in May, about two years ago, to study health care disparities in transgender youth. And here's the quote I love. I was getting the message from my supervisors that when a young person I was seeing, so she's counseling young children, expressed discomfort with their gender, the diagnostic term is gender dysphoria, that I should throw out all my training, no matter what the patient's history of other mental health conditions that could be complicating the situation, I was simply to affirm that the patient was transgender and even approve the start of a medical transition. She wrote about this in the national publication called The Free Press. She says that her supervisors pressured her to go along with the gender-affirming care model with three of her biological female teenage patients, even though every single patient had several other complicated histories and they had other kinds of mental health diagnoses beyond gender dysphoria, including autism and sexual abuse. And if you say, well, Lars, don't you feel for people with autism? Absolutely, I do. In fact, there is a stunning number of autistic patients who are among those that are beginning gender transitions. And yet autism isn't that common in the population. It isn't as common as autism among transgenders. And you say, well, maybe, maybe that just goes with the territory. No. What's going on, I think, is that autistic people, including autistic children, are being taken advantage of by a system that sees billions of dollars that could be made by so-called gender-affirming care. Handing out the hormones, giving the surgery, uh, chemical castration of teenage boys, double mastectomies for teenage girls. All of that is worth a gigantic amount of money. I think I shared with you last year 
that the estimate in the United States for the total dollars spent on so-called gender-affirming care, like chemical castrations um, for teenage boys, is $2.2 billion in the year 2023. In 2024, it is forecast to be higher. And within the next couple of years, the estimate for what this transgender nonsense is going to be worth to the medical establishment is north of $5 billion every single year. It's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger unless somebody changes the course. And I'd point out to you that in Europe, there are a whole bunch of countries that were very much into the transgender, gender-affirming care, and they were offering transitions. And then they found people who had given been given the transition, and it didn't solve their psychological problems. They were still unhappy. Many of them wanted to, to transition back to what they were before. And the sad thing is, an awful lot of the people who've gone through the hormone treatments and the surgery, and these are children, are not able to transition back. They're not able to have their former life restored. Consider this, a 13-year-old patient who had depression, PTSD, anxiety, intermittent explosive disorder and autism and was suicidal and had been sexually assaulted. The patient grew up with a bipolar mother in an abusive household. This is reported by the Free Press, where she only watched on television horror and violent pornography. Now, Pietsky, the young lady, the clinical social worker, said she was concerned about the patient's guardian, asked her to prescribe cross-sex hormones after just a few visits. This is what's happening in your community. And if you don't believe it, ask some people in the medical field who are willing to talk openly to you about it and say, are they doing this stuff to kids? Now, most of them will say, well, some of the patients are adults. But the transgender movement knows they need to get to people before they pass through puberty. That means they have to get to kids. And the changes they will make, either with hormones or with surgery or with both, are things that in many cases can't be undone and aren't going to fix the mental health problems that those people are suffering from. And some of them are going to end up taking their lives, sadly. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show, 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. Trump with a warning to Hamas at the Republican Jewish Coalition Conference. If you spill a drop of American blood, we will spill a gallon of yours. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. It's a pleasure to be with you and a real pleasure to welcome back to the program Congressman Matt Gates of Florida. Congressman, it's good to have you. Thanks so much for having me, my friend. What the heck happened with the impeachment of Mayorkas, <laughs> the, the, or the failure to impeach Mayorkas, and you actually pining for Kevin McCarthy? Look, we had a four-seat majority uh, at the start of this Congress, and uh, now we have a one-seat majority, and with three of our colleagues voting with the Democrats uh, to save Mayorkas from the accountability that I think he richly deserves, we ended up precisely one vote short. And I'll start by saying I've never missed George Santos more about <laughs> because, you know, we, we kicked Santos out uh, as the first person to not be convicted of a crime um, to be expelled, and he would have voted to impeach Mayorkas. And then 
uh, while while certainly I take responsibility for removing McCarthy from the speakership, uh, he then took his marbles and went home. Now, there are 434 other members of the House of Representatives who are willing to uh, serve without being the speaker. Uh, for Kevin, when he wasn't able to have the title, he left us, uh, again, one vote short uh, with his departure in Bakersfield, California, not having a representative. And it's uh, pretty... It's a, it must feel bad if you're sitting in Bakersfield, California right now, and you're seeing this invasion on our southern border. You wanted to see Mayorkas held accountable. You wanted to see a trial in the Senate with the facts put on. And because your congressman, um, you know, he didn't think enough to just stay and be your congressman, he left. And that, that led to the result that we, uh, we got to last night. I'm talking to the man who represents Florida's first congressional district, and that's Congressman Matt Gates. But one of the names kind of surprised me. Buck, uh, Buck didn't surprise me. Gallagher of Wisconsin didn't surprise me that much. But Tom McClintock from the state of California, and if anybody knows about the devastating effects of illegal immigration to the United States, illegal aliens being in a, in a state, it's got to be McClintock. Why did he vote no? Uh, it's confusing and, frankly, a little embarrassing for House Republicans that the person who is the chairman of the Judiciary Subcommittee on Immigration uh, did not see the high crimes and misdemeanors that a vast majority of us did. Uh, I think that for McClintock, he you know, wanted to see, like, elements of a felony. And to me, they clearly exist, whether it's the human trafficking, the uh, obstruction of the lawful um, administration of the border, of uh, congressional oversight. Uh, time and again, we saw uh, Mayorkas on, on the wrong side of lies before Congress. That's uh, a crime. You can't do that, and yet he did it over and over again. So uh, I don't know what it is that Mr. McClintock is waiting to see happen on the border that would, that would get him to uh, vote for impeachment, but uh, he... Uh, uh, you know, has been consistent in that position. One thing I can tell you is this wasn't a surprise for, for, for Tom McClintock. He had been pretty clear with the conference and certainly with his colleagues on the Judiciary Committee that he did not believe that Mayorkas had committed impeachable offenses. I, I mean, I don't live in California, Matt. I'm talking to Congressman Matt Gates, but I, I've seen the numbers before that if you took all the illegal aliens and the incredible weight they put on the state of California, state of California would go from one of the biggest poverty states in America to being a prosperous state with a largely balanced state budget. And that's that's before we got to the invasion that Joe Biden has sponsored now. And, and then on the other side, I want to ask about the other chamber as well, because how in the world did uh, Senator Langford and his buddies, including Mitch McConnell, think, oh, we're going to put together a deal that's going to institutionalize the illegal crossing of 5,000 a day, not counting children, but as long as it doesn't go past 5,000, it's going to be okay. They actually thought that thing was, was, a, was something worth proposing? Because this suggests to me that the Republicans on the Senate side just don't know anything about anything. Uh, they certainly don't know much about the House of Representatives if they thought that that monstrosity was ever going to be considered or become law. Uh, there were so many bad things in that bill. The billions of dollars in that bill to uh, NGOs to funnel people into the country, to put them up in houses or in, in hotel rooms, to give them cell phones, to provide transportation. I mean, that bill would have had the American people funding their own invasion, which is so 
self-defeating. Uh, I'm glad it's been dragged behind the barn and, and put down. But now we get word that Mitch McConnell wants to do a big $60 billion for Ukraine, lashed to around $17 billion for Israel, and then more money for Taiwan and stockpiles, and wants to send that over as one massive, unpaid-for, like $80 billion um, deficit spend. And I would not vote for that. And I'm working the phones now to build a coalition of representatives to oppose the McConnell-Biden uh, supplemental that will increase our debt and our deficit and won't make us safer and may, in fact, sleepwalk us into World War III with a nuclear power. Well, and Congressman Gates, I, from the beginning, I've been I've been asking my audience and everybody who comes out, where's the national interest in Ukraine? And you've got you've also got Taiwan and you've got Israel, and and, and if they're going to decide the issues, they ought to decide them one at a time. But the Democrats won't do that, and now they're going to say, well, Republicans don't really want border reform because what they proposed had no chance of winning. Well, no, it didn't have any chance of winning. I. I don't understand why Langford didn't get that. I do want to ask you about the resolution he introduced uh, regarding President Trump and the whole question of insurrection, which has been a political football for now now three years. Uh, what was it you're suggesting the House do? Uh, the House of Representatives should authoritatively declare that Donald Trump did not participate in an insurrection or a rebellion against the United States. And it's so obvious, I can't even believe I have to say it out loud or file legislation on that point. But right now, you have uh, unelected bureaucrats, you have uh, woke-topian election boards, you've got uh, these Biden-aligned uh, lawfare groups in the name of democracy, trying to limit our ability to vote for the leading presidential candidate. And, I, I mean, if what, the, if what the defense of democracy requires is removing candidates from the ballot and limiting the choices of the voters, then I'm not here for that version of democracy. I like the version of democracy where the people get to make the selection, not some unelected bureaucrat wearing green ice shades in a windowless cubicle in Colorado. I mean, Matt, I, I don't make any secrets about it. I tell my audience, I'm a Trump guy, and I think he was the best. Pre he's the best president of the 21st century. Obama didn't even begin to compare, and certainly not Joe Biden. I mean, Joe Biden's the best news that ever happened to Jimmy Carter. But, but, but he's he's going to win the Republican nomination. He's already got it, just about a lock on it, and he's leading Joe Biden by five points. Uh, they're going to try everything in the book to take him out of this contest because they realize they can't beat him. So what's coming at him next? Do you have any idea? Look, look I, I worry about the predictions my friend Tucker Carlson makes about assassination being about the only thing they have left. I pray for President Trump's physical security, uh, for his security from these assaults in the law. And it's not really about him. See, the left, they want to make it about him. But it's about all of us. President Trump is the masthead for a dynamic, vertically integrated political movement where people are running for school board, state legislature, uh, Congress. I meet them all over this country, and we are unified by a set of values and principles, and really patriotism is the glue that holds it together. Now, of course, President Trump provides the vision, but it's really that... It's really the whole rest of the iceberg that I think is bringing the establishment to this precipice where they are... They are doing some very anti-democratic and anti-American things so that we all don't get more of the great power that is our birthright.
And they're doing all that anti-democratic stuff in the name of democracy. Congressman Gates, keep up the good work. Thanks for the time. Thanks for having me on, Mark. Yes, sir. That's Congressman Matt Gates from Florida. Back in a moment, I'll get to your calls. 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Historical Foundation Inc. Some solid advice from Senator John Kennedy. Look, if you hate cops just because of cops, the next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. It's a pleasure to be with you. I got a question for you. Do you think that free pizza, hamburgers, and french fries cure homelessness? Except that is exactly the argument behind, in Oregon, this, I guess, crazy idea hasn't got to Washington yet. Senate Bill 1585 would expand the federal food stamp program as it's administered in Oregon. Because remember, SNAP, which is Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, what they used to call food stamps, but they thought... It makes people feel bad if people say they get food stamps, so we'll call it SNAP instead. And in another five, six years, they'll change the, the name again. They wanted to cover hot foods like pizza, hamburgers, hot dogs, and french fries. According to our friends at the Taxpayers Association, Welfare's food stamp program already covers the purchase of junk food like potato chips, pork rinds, Oreos, chocolate bars, and even ice cream and ice cream cakes. But it does not it does not cover food that is prepared for consumption right there. So if you want to get pizza, french fries, a hamburger, a hot dog, it's not covered by your EBT, you know, Oregon Trail or SNAP card. So the state lawmakers say, let's do that, because they say it'll help to address homelessness and poverty if you give people the ability to have a pizza or a hamburger or french fries that is paid for by somebody else. Now, if somebody thinks that's true, I'd be glad to take the naysayer call because I find it kind of lunatic. Now, I want you to consider our question that we put up every day on X, used to be called Twitter. Should judges have the option to sentence graffiti vandals? I don't call them artists. They are vandals to clean up their own messes. And the uh, House Bill 1800 
proposed by Representative Andrew Barkas, uh, he's a Republican from Olympia, would allow judges to order offenders to perform at least 24 hours of community service, including cleaning up the mess that they actually created, the graffiti vandalism. I think it's a great idea. Should the judges have that option? My answer is yes. You can answer any way you like. It's a bill before the Washington legislature in Olympia, which is meeting right now. The Poll on X is brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. Let's go first to Aaron, listening on the Radio Northwest Network and our flagship station, KXL. Hey, Aaron, welcome to Wednesday. What's on your mind? Hey, thank you so much, Lars. Appreciate you taking my call. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually a native of Seattle and I'm down in, down in Portland on, uh, on business and absolutely every time I come down, absolutely your show is on every single minute of my car. So appreciate you, you. you, sir, so much. I uh, just cannot tell you how much I appreciate. I'm just curious. I just wanted your thoughts. Um, you know, being the big Trump supporter I am, being the big Republican I am, this whole Ukraine Russia thing, um, obviously, uh, Ukraine can't survive without uh, the help of our, of NATO and, and United States. But yet we're sending them money we just don't even have. Um, obviously, we don't want Russia to continue to uh, advance its imperialistic views. Um, what are your thoughts on the whole thing? I mean, how Ukraine has a we can't, we Ukraine can't has it. a border dispute with Russia, and uh, the assumption, the domino theory that most of the people who are in favor of Ukraine funding, I'm not. Uh, is, well, if they take Ukraine, next it'll be Poland, next it'll be other countries, et cetera. I don't buy that. Right. From the very beginning, I've been saying, what is okay. the American national security interest? Now, both Russia and America uh, have dirty hands when it comes to Ukraine, because both countries for years have been trying, Ukraine, we want you on our side. So Russia will in help install a Russia-oriented president of Ukraine. And then America will say, no, we're going to kick that guy out. We'll put in somebody who's our guy. Both of them have been treating what has been, in, in a lot of cases, a neutral country or somewhat neutral country in the middle because of where they're located ge geographically as saying, we want to get them on our side. And, you know, Victoria Newland, who worked for in the State Department as a lifer, but worked for Obama, they were engineering American interference in Ukrainian elections. And they were doing it all the way back during Obama. So there's 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 dirt on those hands as well. And Russia has done the same kind of thing. But do I think that it makes sense to continue to pump tens of billions of dollars in there? Aaron, they've already told us this year that the Biden Pentagon has said, don't expect any movement in the war, not not toward Ukraine winning, not toward Russia winning until sometime in 2025, maybe. So, in other words, we're locked into another long, long war. And when you say, well, they won't survive without our help, you mean they'll have to sit down and negotiate? Yeah, they will. Uh, gotcha. gotcha. Now, hey, as long as I we pump money in there, yeah. they have no incentive to negotiate, right? Right. No, it makes total sense. No, I appreciate it, Lars. I just, just had to call and get on the show, and I appreciate your info. Thank you, sir. Well, that, that's my best take on it, Aaron. I appreciate a, a solid listener. Uh, by the way, the Washington Education Association at the state legislature has decided to block any bills that would give more funding equity for charter school families. In other words, charter schools survive on less 
of what uh, what uh, they, to educate the kids. They do a better job. They get less money. Uh, they'd like to even that up. Let me get naysayer Steve. Steve, it's close to the breaks. So you're going to have to work it in fast. What's your point? What do we disagree about? See, my point is that the, I could see if a judge sends a guy to go out and clean up his mess, he's going to end up getting killed or hurt because most of the times they make their messes in dangerous places. What do you got to say about that? You mean the graffiti vandals because they're vandalizing uh, overpasses and buildings? Uh, I'm sure that if they I've seen a lot of it, and it's got to be dangerous from what I've seen. Well, I'll tell you what. Put a, put a harness on him. Send him up there. Say, you put it up there. You you take care of it. You fix the mess that you made. I think that's a perfectly appropriate sentence, and I think the state will make sure the little darlings are safe. you got the Lars Larson Show. The Lars With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Live now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a Wednesday. And thanks for joining me on the Radio Northwest Network. That is 26 stations in Oregon and Washington and Idaho. And we try to supply honestly provocative talk to the Pacific Northwest. Although lately... I don't have to try very hard to be provocative to say, well, Oregon and Washington both are going to expect another couple of thousand people to die of fentanyl overdose uh, in the coming 12 months. And uh, and the legislatures of both states are not doing much of anything to actually fix the problem. And it is fixable. At least that's my belief. So I thought we'd talk to Washington State Senator Linda Wilson, who I hope doesn't take it personally. I don't think the legislatures are going to do anything, including your friends in Olympia, Senator Wilson. Welcome to the program. Well, thanks, uh, Lars. Good to be here. Well, I'm hoping I, I at least need to try to get this bill through. It came out of ways yesterday, so this is the bill that um, will actually require the Department of Health to inundate the airways to basically focus on both adults and youth that uh, the dangers of um, methamphetamines and opioids and including fentanyl uh, what we're finding is in uh, many many kids don't even realize that so many of the fake drugs that are coming out they you know kids 
do. Um, you know, they practice on drugs and they take them every now and then. And what they don't understand is that one of them could kill them. Just one pill could kill them. Um, and it, it is happening, and we know it's happening everywhere right now. Um, you, you just mentioned um, that deaths in Washington are increasing at a faster rate than any other state in the country. And Oregon's the number two. Yep. So you've got mm-hmm. a 1,000 right. overdose deaths by fentanyl in King County alone, about 2,000, right. as I know the numbers for the state of Washington, about a 1,000 deaths in Oregon because it's about half the size population-wise. And I guess we're going to see another 3,000 people die, or about 10 people a day, not quite 10 people every day, for the rest of this year, with nothing meaningful done. And, you know, I, I guess there's some value to, you know, filling the airwaves with messages, is there anybody out there who doesn't know, and I mean kid or adult, that fentanyl's out there and it is killing people, given the amount of news coverage there's been of the story? Is this a, a matter of public education, or is that just uh, is that going to be just window dressing for this problem, honestly? Well, I'm really hoping that it's going to educate those kids that are in school, because they're the ones that are, that are um, you know, taking these drugs unknowingly. Um, there was a survey of about 1,500 students between 13 and 17, and 1,000 of them weren't aware that fentanyl could be present in those fake pills, those fake pills that they're getting on the Internet. So they're just assuming that whatever they're ordering is or getting is fine, and they're not. And now it's I mean, I have parents in here and uh, testifying on these bills that are just, you know, sick to death because they've either their child is overdosed or they've lost their child from fentanyl from like one time. And I just don't think kids need to know. So what I'm hoping in this, in this particular educational piece is that I'm going to date myself, but you remember 40 years ago when they had that, this is your brain and they hold an egg. And then they said, this is your brain on drugs. And they put your (laughs) egg in the frying pan. That stuck with me for a really long time. I remember it really well. I'm hoping they will come out and do something like that. This is like one pill kills. That's what I'm hoping they will do. Um, Department of Health a couple of years ago was given money to do this, but instead they came out and said, you should learn how to use Narcan and have it around. That's not, in other words, in other words, we should, we should assume that kids are going to take it. We should assume they're going to overdose and just be prepared for the overdose when it happens. Right. That that seems right. like like your Democrat friends want to institutionalize the problem. I realize that word's getting used a lot lately. But if you say, yeah, we'll just assume that a lot of people are going to overdose this year and we'll have to be prepared to do it. Can I make a suggestion to you, Senator? Because I can think of a way... Although most people say, oh, no, uh, that's not uh, that wouldn't be political or or polite to do that. But, you know, you want to take me back 40 years. How about we go back both of us 40 years or 50 years uh, to school? (laughs) So every day they have the school announcements. And if every day in every school district in Washington state for zero dollars, you had the principal who was told, I don't care what your politics are. You need to get on the announcement and say, "Okay, uh, this week or today. Uh, Johnny Jones and Susie Smith died on Tuesday of this week, and they died of fentanyl overdose because one pill kills. Now, mm-hmm. I realize that could kind of fade into the background like a lot of school announcements do after a while, but if you did that 
at zero cost. All it is is getting every educator, mm-hmm. public or private, to, to buy into it and say, we're going to start announcing. And maybe, maybe in the foyer or the, you know, the hallway of, of elementary schools, middle schools and high schools, here's a row of pictures. Here are the kids who died this week or this month because of fentanyl overdose. Put the pictures up there, put their little story up there. And if every day the kids walked in and they said, Hey, they added another picture. Yep. Another, that kid, how'd that kid die? And if you, if you gave them the shorthand, that kid got a pill from somebody on the street or ordered it on the internet. It had fentanyl in it. He thought he was taking Molly. He thought he was taking Oxy, whatever. And if you, and so, well, you can't do that to kids. You'll scare them. Yes, mm-hmm. you will scare them. If you That's don't right. scare them, are you going to get, because don't you think that every kid thinks he or she is immortal? And that, yeah, that bad yeah. stuff oh, happens, absolutely. but it doesn't happen to people like me. That's going to happen to yeah. somebody else, mm-hmm. right? Invincible. Yep, they're invincible at that age. That's right. Yeah, I know. Well, could could, could right. we get I, the I, education I, I establishment to stop teaching uh, drag queen story hour and you can turn your, you know, your, your girl body into a boy body and start telling them this is killing people right now. And here are the faces mm-hmm. and the names and the ages of kids just like you. And they died and they didn't think they were going to die either. That that could be done Monday morning, right. uh, Friday morning, mm-hmm. couldn't it? Right. Yeah, it, it sure could. And I think that would work, but I don't know that that would ever be mandated. But again, like you say, well, here's the thing, you know, Linda, talk to local school boards. Maybe they could do that. Well, Senator Wilson, do we have to have a state law that tells people everything to do? No. Go to the bathroom a no. few times a day. Wash your hands when you're done. Brush your teeth. There doesn't have to be an act of Congress or an act of the legislature to get everything done. Do do we need, do we really need that? No, no. I'm glad that we don't. <laughs> so, and I advocate for less of that all the time. But um, I just don't know if the schools would do it if they weren't told to do it. Why don't I you drag Mr. Reichdahl down to one of the committee hearings? And say, why don't you tell? I want this in every single school tomorrow. I want I want the schools to start announcing the deaths of kids in the community. And if it happens to be a community that somehow escapes one of these fentanyl overdose deaths, say this kid died in Tacoma or this kid died in Spokane or this kid died in uh, in Yakima uh, this week and make it real. Say these are real kids. You'll see their faces in the hallway and we don't want you to end up like that. I don't know. Right. It, it, it might save $64 million so that Jay Inslee can send out more checks to illegal aliens. I mean, because that's what he seems to do best. That is Senator Linda Wilson, who represents the 17th district in Clark County. She's currently at the Washington legislature. We'll be back in a moment. I'll get to your phone calls and emails. And it looks like we've got some naysayers as well. You're listening to the Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. 
So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Another strong take from President Biden on AI and the weather. Helping web tech, the web, the web telescope. My God, what is this? This is the Lars Larson Show. Every day between now and November, the American people are going to know that the only reason the border is not secure is Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican friends. Yeah, there's Joe Biden just condemning about half of America, all of his MAGA Republican friends. Well, actually, I count myself in that group. You may count yourself in that group as well. So that's Joe Biden condemning all of us that it's not his problem that has been caused on the border. It is our problem. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. I'll get to your phone calls in a moment. In fact, I've got a naysayer on hold right now. But I want to tell you something that should scare the daylights out of you. We've not only had a grand total of about 10 million illegal aliens, 8.5 million directly encountered by the Border Patrol, another 1.7 million who've been uh, gotaways. That is, the Border Patrol saw them but never actually got to write them a ticket like that's going to do any good. But one of the most disturbing trends, and we've got some new numbers on it, involves the Chinese because we have a stunning number of Chinese nationals who are coming into the United States illegally. Now, you wonder why? Why is it, and why are most of them young, fighting-age males? These are not men with families, men and women. It's primarily males. Well, in all of last fiscal year, now the federal government runs on this funny fiscal year that runs from October 1 to September 31. So in the fiscal year of 2023 that ran from October of 22 to the end of September of 23, there were about 37,000 Chinese nationals who came into the United States. And you say, well, why in particular? In fact, they're the fastest growing group of illegal aliens coming across our border. This year, we're not even to the halfway point of this fiscal year. They've already seen 20,000 Chinese nationals come in. And you wonder if there's in some other agenda tied back to China. Now, the official explanation is that, well, all these Chinese nationals are simply people who just want to escape communist China. And so they fly into a country that China has a deal with where you don't have to have a visa to go to Ecuador. So you have Chinese nationals who have the money to buy an international flight to Ecuador, and then they make their way all the way from Ecuador to the American border and then spend more thousands of dollars to have the cartels bring them across into the United States. And all of it is simply because they're trying to escape the nasty nastiness of the Chinese Communist Party. You don't have to convince me that the Chinese Communist Party is a nasty country. But really, you're expecting me to believe that a country like China, that builds its own islands, that is becoming one of the most powerful, not yet the most powerful, militaries on Earth, that they don't notice this gigantic drain of young, healthy, fighting-age males out of their country. They're all just saying, oh, I'm going for a holiday in Ecuador, and then they just never come back. Joe Biden is trying to escape responsibility. He says, 
The only reason the border is unsecured is because of Donald Trump and his MAGA friends. He's ignoring the fact, and let me remind you of this. Joe Biden took 94 executive actions in his first 100 days in office. In other words, an executive order almost every single day. All of them about dismantling border security. And now he refuses to tell Homeland Security to actually enforce American law. And he says, there's nothing I can do about it. This has become so bad, including the question about why all these Chinese nationals are coming into the United States. 60 Minutes, even a liberal news magazine like 60 Minutes did a story on it the other night. Take a listen. Chinese migrants. Yes, you heard that right. Chinese. We saw large groups, including many from the middle class, come through a four-foot gap at the end of a border fence 60 miles east of San Diego. Now, they just simply walk through. There's a gap in the fence. Is the Joe Biden Department of Homeland Security going to close that fence? No. Lately, they've gotten into the business of cutting fence, as they have in Texas. But the, the audacity of somebody like Joe Biden saying, this isn't my problem. This is because of Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican friends, as you heard in the soundbite. It is not. Donald Trump had available to him about the same resources that Joe Biden has today. Donald Trump brought about the lowest level of illegal crossing into America in modern American history. That's true. And he did it with nothing extra from the U.S. Congress. Joe Biden comes in with the same tools available to him, and he manages to bring about not the lowest level, as Trump did, or an even lower level. He brings about literally the highest level of illegal entry to the United States, and he signs 94 executive actions on dismantling border security in his first 100 days in office, and he says, the problem isn't me. The problem is Donald Trump and his MAGA friends. Let's go to a naysayer, John. Hey, John, we love naysayers on this program. Welcome. And uh, what do you and I disagree about today that makes you a naysayer? Well, it's just about every day, Lars. This is John, the electrician. Been a while. Mm -hmm. But uh, I just find it interesting that uh, someone like yourself that um, cheerled a full-scale trillion-dollar, 250,000 American troops into, the, into Iraq, now characterizes Russia's full-scale massive invasion into Ukraine as a border dispute is just disgusting. These Those guys are defending their borders. You talk about defending our border, Lars. I think that Ukraine should expel the illegal aliens that have entered their country. Okay, and, and, and bully for them if they do it, but you still haven't answered the question that I've been posing literally now, John, for almost two years. And the question very simply is, what is the American national security interest in sending tens of billions? For you. Go ahead, I to answer the question then. What one big uh, advantage that we have with, with supporting Ukraine, which is a free country, huh. separate from Corrupt the, country. From, they, are, they are separate from the Soviet Union and from Russia, they're their own country, that, that we are years. raiding, we are, you going to let me finish now? You're yeah, interrupting. go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. We are degrading Russia's military. Russia is not our friend. Un unfortunately, I, I wouldn't say they, they are. are. Nor is well, China. And they're in cahoots. The view is, is how long before you do a fawning softball interview of Vladimir Putin like your buddy Tucker? How long before that? Well, hold on a second, John. 
I don't know that I'd call. I haven't actually watched all of Tucker's interview with Putin. It began to air last night. But why would you call it a fawning softball interview? Uh, would you have? Did you have the same description two years ago when NBC News interviewed Putin? Because apparently it's okay if NBC News. Hold on. Now I'm going to finish, John. Now I'm going to finish. When NBC News interviews Putin, did you come out, John, and say, why those people, they're supporting Vladimir Putin? So, in other words, it's only bad when Carlson does an interview with Putin, but not bad if NBC News does it? I, don't, I, I can't disagree with you on that. But, Lars, the, let's go back to my first point, that you, you supported and cheerled a full-scale, massive we're still at the time we thought there was a, an American national security interest. Turns out we yeah. relied to. I, I would ask you again, but instead of ancient history, tell me what is the American That's national security Mark, interest? We have we have soldiers still dying today to suicide from their. Time. No, but John, you're not answering the question. Here's how you could degrade Putin right now. Drill for American oil, deliver American natural gas to Western Europe. That would undercut Putin. Instead, what Joe Biden has done is actions that jacked up the value of oil, the price, and that benefited Putin. He's laughing all the way to the bank. John, thanks for the call. You got the Lars Larson Show. Coming American elections promise some provocative politics, but be forewarned, the green agenda may lead to some extreme rhetoric. I get pupper! So prepare yourself by listening to The Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your phone calls and your emails. Now, there's one character in American politics that I have very little use for, and apparently American voters had very little use for him either. John Kerry, he ran for president. He failed at that. He went to work for Joe Biden as the climate czar, and then he spent most of his time hopping on private airplanes, flying around the world, and lecturing people on how we shouldn't be flying on airplanes and burning fossil fuels. But there's more to dislike about John Kerry than just that. And I wanted to talk to Daniel Turner about it, who's president of Power of the Future. Uh, Daniel, welcome back. Lars, always a pleasure to be on your program. Thank you, sir. So what is it we should know about John Kerry and have good reason to suspect is true, and yet we can't find out what this guy was doing with our money in our government? Well, everyone who works for the government, who has the power of government, um, is uh, subjective to, subject to the uh, accountability of the American taxpayers and of the Congress. And so you don't have the ability to say, well, I'm going to have a secret lunch and not tell anybody about it. Your schedule is is available to the american public who you're meeting with who you hire um how much do those people make um and this is what comes with being a public servant they are public servants and for years my organization power of the future has tried to find out what is going on in john Kerry's office who his staff is uh how he hired them where did they come from um, and then just simple things like, what did you do this week? What are your goals? What, who are you meeting with? And John Kerry has refused to share that information. And yet it's public information. Now, I want to emphasize something. Some of his people on his staff, he pays about $4 bucks a year 
out of taxpayer money to people on his staff. And they make 186000 which if you listen to NBA you know, salaries or baseball salaries, they don't sound that big. But the federal government tends to limit people. I think Karine Jean-Pierre, his spokeswoman for Joe Biden, makes a couple of, just under a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year. So nobody has stratospheric baller money except maybe the president, the vice president, and Anthony Fauci, and he's gone now. Uh, but uh, not dead, but he's he's out of the government now and probably making a lot more. But these these are, at least for government, they're stratospheric salaries. Do we even know who these people are? No, and that's the other curious thing. He must have a chief of staff. Uh, he must have a comms director. If you want a meeting with John Kerry, who, who arranges that? And those are very honest and simple and straightforward questions that any government office should be able to answer. And John Kerry's answer is, I'm not telling you. Um, and and that should raise a lot of eyebrows because you realize how many hundreds of billions of dollars in green energy, quote-unquote, investment the Biden administration is, is handing out, John Kerry's office is a huge part of that. And so there's a lot of potential of, of, of secret meetings of maybe unsavory characters who are showing up the door, either with their handout asking for money or pushing policy agendas. Hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you ban stoves? Why don't you make EVs required? And, and the fact that John Kerry says, well, I'm not sharing these details with you makes me believe, and it probably does most people, yeah, there's a good reason he doesn't want you to know what's happening in his office, because you wouldn't like it. Well, and, and not only that, but I worry about corruption as well, because you know how much we've talked over the years about, not you and I, but but on the show, about Nancy Pelosi and her husband's stock trading. And you say, how is it that her husband always seems to know the right stocks to sell and the right time to sell them? Well, because he sleeps with Nancy Pelosi. I know it's a scary idea, but there you go. Um, and if you've got a, a whole staff of people, 20 or so people, who work in an office where energy is the subject and where you find out, oh, we're not going to back that battery factory or we are going to back that solar panel factory, those things in the right hands, in the right ears, uh, are worth tens of millions of dollars, except you can't figure out whether or not these people have that kind of a dog in the fight because you don't even know who they are, right? And, and, and that's a great point. And this administration has been talking about uh, spending enormous amounts of money for international climate awareness and funding of climate projects around the world. And a lot of those projects around the world are opening mines, opening lithium, opening uh, battery factories. And so, yeah, if you had a little tip to say, hey, you know, the Biden administration is going to write a check to a uh, uh, Chile to help them expand copper. Well, and that may be a good time to jump on that country uh, company's <laughs> stock ticket and and buy stock. So again, you're absolutely right. These are huge corruption issues, and and it just goes back to you know almost 250 years ago. John Adams he passionately said, "We need a country of laws, not of men." He he realized men like the king are capricious. Sometimes, like George the Third, they go insane. I mean, we could maybe say the same about Biden. But we can't be subject to the whims or the caprice of individuals. And we, we are back to that. We don't have a rule of law when John Kerry says, you know what, Mr. S uh, 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 Mr. Larson, I'm, I'm not telling you what I did this weekend. You don't have a right to know.
That's not America. No, and, and, and by the way, we all understand there are probably some meetings that the president or other officials have that for security reasons or other reasons might legitimately be cloaked. But the vast majority of their schedule should be public. Is there any other Biden administration, either cabinet department or in this case, non-cabinet, just a czar uh, that is as secretive as this one is? Um, they're maybe not as secretive, but what the Biden administration is doing, and we have freedom of information requests at almost every agency, they will just slow roll you. Hey, we need 15 more days. Hey, guess what? We missed the deadline. Glory is out till Tuesday, and you just delay, delay. And that's what John Kerry's office did. Well, actually, they just flat out said no, um, and that's why we filed this to many agencies will just just delay you to death and hope you'll you'll wear out the clock. And and, and wearing out the clock, Laura, is the problem. We're wearing out money, right? Lawsuits are expensive. Lawyers are expensive. I don't want to be in court. I don't want to go to court. I, I have better things to do. Well, but but this is what I have. I have no other recourse to find out what John Kerry's doing. Daniel, my audience knows I was a reporter for a long time. Is it possible to get any allies in the White House briefing room to get somebody other than Peter Ducey to ask some questions and say, hey, Karine Jean-Pierre, how come the people who work for John Kerry and their salaries and what they're doing on a daily basis are top secret? Because she can't exactly say, well, you know, you're asking about the CIA or you're asking about an FBI investigation. You're asking about a, a, an office funded by the government, funded by the taxpayers that does the public's business where there's no gigantic security concern about who the people are in the climate czar's office. And I wonder how she'd answer that one. I would love to be able to have that happen. And it's and it's something if, if I could find the champions in the press. But isn't it more fun to ask about his favorite ice cream flavor? Because that's how you get invited to the White House Christmas party. And that's how you get on the next Air Force One flight. So we have a lapdog media in the White House, minus Peter Ducey. We have a, a, a lapdog White House Correspondents Association that never wants to make trouble because that's just they're, they're part of the agenda. So I wish you were still a reporter, Lars, because we would, we would have you well, asking the tough questions. I, I Look, I, I, this just drives me crazy, though, because ordinarily when reporters find out that a public official has said, we're not going to tell you that piece of public information. That makes them, it makes a real reporter salivate. You say, well, if you've decided you're not going to tell me it, I'm going to try twice as hard to pry it loose from you. Because if you don't want to tell me about that, usually the best reason that you're doing that is because it's something that would make a great headline or a great lead story on television or radio. That's Daniel Turner. His organization, Power of the Future, has brought a lawsuit against the Biden administration. And all they're asking is... John Kerry, climate czar, he's got an office, he's paying $4 million, $4.3 million in salaries. Who are the people he's paying? How much are they making? And what kind of business are they doing on behalf of you and me? Back in a moment, 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails, talk at LarsLarson.com. Check out my Instagram feed, and yes, find out I've got a face for radio. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges, but how do you explain it to customers? 
Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Constantine Kissin on Hamas. For years now, many of us have been warning that the barbarians are at the gates. We were wrong. They're inside. There are positives as well. I mean, say what you want about Hamas supporters. At least they know what a woman is. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. And this segment of the show is brought to you by the home power generating folks because, you know, there are power outages from time to time. Protect power. Make sure your loved ones are safe when the power goes out. Call 541-ONA-GEN. That's 541-ONA-GEN. Now, Carrie is a naysayer. Uh, Carrie, we always love the naysayers when they call into the show. So welcome to the program. What's on your mind and what do you and I disagree about today? Well, pleasure to be here. Um, it is actually in regards to um, the EBT accepting the hot food. Um, I Senate am Bill 1585, for anybody who's, taking, who's keeping track, would propose that in the state of Oregon, f- federal food stamps would not just cover food from the grocery store to take home and prepare, but would cover pizza, hamburgers, hot dogs, and french fries. Should it? Well, yes. Um, I, it's like, no, in the way that you put it, because it definitely sounds entitled and in that fashion, and I'm sure it can be used in that way. But um, in regards to um, being used for the homeless, I'm sure the idea is kind of that they don't, they're homeless. They don't have a kitchen. They don't, they, they don't have a refrigerator. They don't have a place to really store the There's food. There's a way to fix that. Buy. There's a way to fix that. Well, we, have jobs, we have jobs available. We have jobs available. Yeah. Knock off the methamphetamine, stop taking fentanyl, get a job, and pay for your own housing. That's the fix. Well, I completely agree with that. We are doing nothing but enabling the situation. I I definitely do not like the way that we are um, wasting our resources and how we're wasting it. We're definitely giving away way too much. I mean, they get all the meals paid for, everything taken care of. And now you want them to have takeout, Karen? Help, help me understand why you want them to now have takeout food as well. It's not that I, I want them to have it. I just understand the idea behind it. Um, while we have the homeless problem, I guess, is the way I should put it. While this problem exists, it makes sense. Um, and not necessarily for, I mean, it just, it might even cut back on, on can, you know, the garbage and the waste if we encourage can, them back to the spaces. Can I, we need to fix the situation. Let, let me try a general. couple of, of questions. And when was the last time you drove through a fast food drive through um, Unfortunately, not too long ago. Okay. And, and what did it run you, for one meal or two? Uh, it was, well, it was for two and a half, two, two and, and a half. little one. And, um, okay. and it what, was, what did the bill come to? Expensive. 
What the bill it's come expensive. to? It's like twenty five dollars, thirty dollars. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. I mean, my wife and I don't do don't do takeout food very often. But what you're telling me is you probably viewed that as a luxury. You might have said, "Well, we're not going to do this all the time. Not at twenty five or thirty bucks." Uh, but but if you're on the road and maybe you're driving from Portland to Seattle or Seattle to Eugene or whatever, you say, we've got to grab a quick lunch, we'll drive through, we'll pay the penalty, and it's a big penalty. And now you're saying for people who contribute nothing to society, they take from society, they live on public property, they shoot drugs, they engage in illegal activities, they do all of this, but let's give them takeout food that most average folks can't afford on a regular basis, and we're going to pay for it through their EBT card. Help me understand why so, anybody would support that. With EBT, you are only designated a certain amount per month in general. So if you spend it, if you decide to waste it on five meals out of the month as opposed to trying to make it last, that is your own personal decision, I would really... <laughs> I would be infuriated to learn if they get more than the average person because right now I'm currently on them and I depend on them at the moment. Um, hot food also entails more than just takeout. If you go to the grocery store um, and, you know, say Safeway, they've got their, their the hot chicken or any any kind of hot sandwich, a cup of coffee counts as, as hot food, things yeah. like that. There's a lot more than just the takeout. And it, can help in that there's been a few instances where it would have been nice in my situation but not well, but necessary. Can, I, can i suggest something to you carrie do you know why they call it snap because they didn't want to call it food stamps anymore well that but <laughs> snap stands for supplemental nutrition assistance program in other words it's a supplement to your regular budget so if you want to buy the already roasted up chicken you buy that with your own money. The SNAP is to supplement, in other words, to add to what you're already spending. Now, I know there are people who treat it as though, well, now that the government's given me a card that has money on it, that's my whole food budget. That was never the intention. The intention was to supplement what you're already buying, right? Well, that's definitely the intention, but that's So not you want to buy the hot chicken, buy it with your own money, use the supplemental to buy all the other food for the week or the month or whatever right i can i mean i i can agree with that if you were in the situation to have that extra money i think i'd say within the grocery store it wouldn't make that much of a difference to me um of the difference between if someone could get the hot chicken and pay the same price for an uncooked chicken you know what the difference is carrie um, you're making it more comfortable to be on assistance and I don't think it should be comfortable. I think you should want to get off. I don't think it should off. be either. I think you should want to get off I, of it. And the only time people get off of doing something is when it becomes uncomfortable to be there. And when I hear people saying, let's buy their housing, let's pay for their food, let's pay for their medical care, let's pay for part of their rent, let's, do all, let's make them comfortable in homelessness, that is aiding and abetting, too. Carry your great naysayer. Thank you for the call. You got the Lars Larson. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. 
With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com.